Alrighty, so today I am headed to go pick up Jeremiah in a 1985 Toyota Targo. It is a very ugly van, but it does have a lot of backseat room and it's kind of comfortable. So it'll be a good one to go on this journey because it's going to be kind of a dark topic that we're talking about. So it'll be, it'll be nice to be in a big van to have lots of space to let our mind breathe. But again, he doesn't know what we're talking about today, and I'm just going to go pick him up, and oh, there he is. Hey, Andrew. What's up? Hey, Jeremiah. What is this vehicle you brought over here? This thing is so ugly. It is very ugly, but again, I think you're going to be thankful that we have this much space, and you'll see why in a little bit as we start talking and going on this journey. It's going to be kind of a heavy topic, so we, we need we need space, and it's somewhat fuel efficient, so that'll, that'll help us on this journey, just depending on how long it takes. Well... It helps that it probably can't go over 45. <laughs> the one we're driving is only a three-speed automatic, so it would be it would be tough to, to get it probably much faster than 60. But that's okay. That just means we're going to save some gas here. All right. Okay, so I want to I start by saying some strange things that kind of happened to me last week. So we had a very fun time this, this past weekend. We got to see each other in person, which is a rare treat for both of us, considering yeah. that you live in Louisiana and I live in Florida. But leading up to that, I believe it was Thursday, I went to look at a job to run the plumbing at a mortician office. So the guy there was, he was a lot of fun to talk to. It was a little creepy because they already had the ovens there where they cremate people and they already had some of the equipment in and like the trays where the bodies lay as they like embalmed them and stuff. Just very strange. But the guy was surprisingly fun to talk to. He was very lighthearted. Oh, he was, uh, he's a pastor too. So <laughs> he's a pastor and a mortician. And what he said is he, he gets to see people saved married and buried (laughs) (laughs) wow okay well i mean i guess you gotta stay lighthearted if that's your job yeah so he's like i'm there for most stages of life is is what he said but anyways we started talking and and he was saying how the the ovens his words not mine but he said that he can take a a 300 pound fatty and turn him into dust in about three hours with the ovens (laughs) Wow, that was a, a quote. A quote from him. And he also just started talking about some of the weird stuff that happens around death. He's he was just saying that you know every place he's worked, there's always been like strange things that happen. Uh, the the only story that he had time to tell me was one night him and his wife. His wife works with him. They were embalming a body, and the freezer is right next to where they work. And all of a sudden, he just hears on the door just a a banging on the door like of the freezer yes the banging of the door from the inside of the freezer and so he goes over opens the door to the freezer everyone in there is deceased is very very dead and he's like okay you know maybe i heard something else no big deal so goes back to work he's like it's not five minutes later and then you just hear the banging again and he's like it's very clear so he's like goes in opens up the freezer everybody's dead so he's like okay goes back to work and he's like by the third time it happened he's just like whatever he's like you know (laughs) there's there's nobody in there and but it just kind of happened throughout the night just some banging on the door and to him you know he's he's a pastor and he's a christian and he his perspective on it is just the devil messing with me just the devil trying to mess with me you know the people are dead the, their spirits are gone or you know they i guess they could be around the bible isn't super clear on that sometimes um i we know that in in the old testament someone was able to call samuel's ghost so you know there's there's definitely spiritual realm stuff that i don't understand but that's that's not what this episode is about and so we're just gonna gonna keep moving on here. But I thought I thought you were gonna say that he opened the door the second time and was like, guys, be quiet, I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> that would be really freaky. Um, he actually he was like, you know, th- this kind of stuff, it just it doesn't bother me. I'm I'm just not afraid of it. He's like, I would if it wasn't so cold in the freezer, he's like, I would be more than comfortable to go down in the freezer, lay down and go to sleep. He's like, I just I, it doesn't freak me out at all. 
And maybe that's just because he's done it for so long. Um, maybe it's because he's a Christian and just has a good perspective on it. I, I don't know. But I, I don't know that I'd be comfortable with that. That's all I know. I was going to say, I don't, like, even with being a Christian, I'm like, I don't, I don't think I just want to go lay next to a bunch of dead bodies. Yeah, it's a little, a little freaky to me. So one of the things that he was he was saying, there's a chance that he might be able to get us to be able to watch an autopsy because he does the autopsies for the state. So like crimes and stuff. And it got me thinking. So the first time that was this last time was the second time that that was posed to me as a possibility of being able to potentially watch an autopsy. The first time I was like, no way. Absolutely not. I'm good. Thank you. But I started thinking about it, and I was like, I might watch an autopsy if given the chance. But why? So I I guess one of the reasons is I've, I've never seen a dead body up close. It's never been something I've seen, and, and I'm sure a lot of people are going, well, it'd probably be good to keep it that way. But in <laughs> my mind, I kind of want to know what that's like because there's a good chance at some point in my life that's going to happen. I am going to see that. And so kind of being prepared for it early makes sense to me. Wait, so you've never you've never been to a funeral before? So when I was young, I know I've been to an open casket funeral. I don't remember it. I was very young. I've been to funerals, but, you know, unless they're open casket, you don't really see it. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. But I, I still don't understand the logic of wanting to see a dead body. I mean, I get you want, like, you're going to see this at some point, but this is not usually something that normal people want to see. Yeah, but I've also never claimed to be normal. So there is that. That's true. <laughs> so there, there's also something about it that kind of posed a question in my mind, like, that dead person that's there, is that still that person? Okay, like, explain. What do you mean? So the dead person that's laying on the tray to get embalmed, is that still that person? Say his name was Frank. Is that still Frank laying on that tray? I, I would say no. I don't think so. Yeah, I would say, I would say no, too. I would say that's, that's not that person, especially, again, being a Christian, from the Bible, my perspective is that our soul is our person. Yeah. Because there's, there's a lot of things that are said, like when we stand before Christ, like we are still that person. Like we will be judged based on what we did here on earth. You know, for, for us being Christians, we'll be judged on, on our works because we already believe in Christ. And those who don't believe on Christ will be judged on their works, but in a different way. But again, that's off topic, different conversation for a different time. So that person laying on the tray is just the shell of who they are. Yeah. Because, I mean, like, right now, if I were to lose my arm, or one of my arms, I, I have two currently, which I am very thankful for. <laughs> if I were to lose my arm, did, did I lose part of me? Like, am I still Andrew? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I'm still 100% me, but I don't have an arm, so how is that possible? Because, again, this is just a shell. I just lost part of my shell. I mean, I mean and I've met, you know, some amputees and stuff, and they're just still great personalities great people they're they're still that person they just don't have you know their legs or their arm or whatever it is it's just a body part it's not who they are it doesn't make up who they are it just makes up the shell of who they are yeah so i guess whenever uh whenever you do this you're gonna have to tell me but it'll probably be like you'll just be looking at i mean it'll be a human but It'll probably, like, it's not the same thing as looking at a real human. It'll just kind of be like, this is just a shell. Like, this is literally just a body, but there's no life here. So I guess it probably will feel a lot different. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, if, if I do get an opportunity to watch it, which, again, that's, I, I don't know. And it could be a long time before that happens because the office isn't even set up. And he has to get special permission and stuff. And so it... It might never happen, which could, is fine too. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not like anxious to go see this. Just to be clear, it's just something that has been posed to me as a potential and kind of got me thinking. But you know, it'll be behind a glass, and the body will, won't stink because it'll already have been frozen and stuff like that. So there's there's an element of it that's not like you discovered a dead body on the side of the road and it's been sitting there for three days. Like, yeah. It's a lot. It's a lot cleaner. But some interesting stuff I found out, plumbing-wise, 
So I've never thought about this. It never even crossed my mind. What they do, the, so these sheets that the, they're basically a giant cookie sheet, if you can picture that on wheels. Yeah. And that's where they, they lay the bodies on. It's a stainless steel sheet. And they lay the bodies on it, you know, remove all the bodily fluids and stuff out of it. And the tray goes <laughs> over a toilet and there's a drain on the tray and it all goes into a toilet and they just flush it down the sewer. Okay. If that toilet ever got clogged, I would not <laughs> want to be the one fixing it. Yeah, you know, that's there's so many questions I have about that. I hope I get the chance to ask the guy these questions because it's really blew my mind, especially so Marion County, where I'm at, they filter the sewage and turn it into gray water to water their grass for the county. You know, things in that application. So, like, all that stuff goes into the same place, and yeah. Frank gets to water the grass. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, honestly. I, I thought it was a much different setup there than what it actually is. I thought you were about to say they, make, they filter it into drinking water again. I was like, really? <laughs> no, but... I don't know how true this is. I know California has started filtering water. So I'd like to think that they have a separate disposal system in this case. Yeah, because I uh, I really hope that they don't have the same system where they just flush it down and then turn it back into drinking water. I mean, after all, it is just water once it's filtered. But knowing where it's been... <laughs> it just does not make me feel good at all about that. Like, the strange thing about it is like, oh, yeah, sewage, get that filtered and turn it back into drinking water. Okay, but human remains, just not the same. Just <laughs> don't feel the same about that. Yeah. So you said that this has been offered to you twice? Well, it's by the, by the same guy. Oh, so okay. it's it's going to be a long process to do all this plumbing because we have to you know trench all the flooring and rerun drains and all this stuff to get their office set up because it, it used to be a, a bank where they, they bought and are turning into this mortician office. So yeah, it's going to be it's going to be quite the process. It'll probably be several well at least a month i would think before everything's done could could be longer um not because the work will take that long but just you know getting everything set up getting permitted getting all that through it's going to going to take a little bit of time so yeah it was just it was very very strange to me <laughs> yeah that it doesn't even sound it sounds so unprofessional to just like okay so yeah we drain all the all their fluids and just dump it into the toilet i'm like wait what <laughs> Yeah, that's what I could not believe that when he told me that it absolutely blew my mind. The other thing he did, so he walks over to the oven, he opens the door, and uh, you know it's it's all cleaned out and stuff. And but he he takes his fingers and just runs it through the surface of the oven, and he holds it up, and you can see like ash on on his fingers, and and he just goes, "You see that? That's probably a bunch of different people." <laughs> oh man. Yeah, he he seems like he's pretty comfortable with dead people. <laughs> yeah, I mean he definitely is. I mean, he's been doing this like from what I understand his whole life, and he's probably in his forties, fifties. So he's been doing it for a good amount of time. But I was like, man, it was just I, I didn't know how to respond because I was like, do I laugh at this? Because <laughs> I, I know he's posing as a joke, but is it appropriate to laugh at this, or do I just like? say that's messed up i i don't i didn't know how to respond to it at all yeah the the other thing i found out is when they cremate somebody it they mostly disintegrate into into ash yeah and there's very little left behind like they mostly disintegrate like there's almost no ash left behind very little residue so what is normally like in the urns and stuff like the ash that they they give yeah. their family it, it's mostly bone so there's a few bones in the body that don't disintegrate very well and he said that they can disintegrate them it just takes a lot longer and it's just not worth it plus at that point they wouldn't have anything to give to the family so what they'll do they shave up the bones yeah so they so they take the bones and again his words not mine he's like 
by the time they come out of the oven, they're very dry and they're they're perfect to go over and they have like this station set up and he's like, This is the pulverizing station and their bones are ready to be crushed up like candy. <laughs> so it's like it's like a blender or something like that? I guess. I, I didn't really get to see what it was, but it's it, it looks like a metal like a stainless steel pot with a lid that has like a blender attachment at the bottom and has like a rod that goes through it. And so somehow it turns and pulverizes the bones into a fine powder and then they give them the ashes as well as whatever was left in the, uh, in the oven. Awesome. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I guess bones really not that bad. I mean, would you rather have bone powder or ash? I don't know how to answer that question. I, uh, yeah. Or they just tell everyone it's ash, but I guess technically it's not. Yeah, it's mostly bone. It's mostly calcium bone that remains. But it was, you know, it definitely got me thinking a lot. Like, death is is something that's going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us. And we have become a society that is so far removed from death. I mean... We don't, we don't really see it. Like, I mean, it's kind of rare. You know, thank goodness it's kind of rare. I'm, yeah. I'm very thankful for that. I'm, I'm glad that it, we have been able to become removed from it. And, you know, it's a lot cleaner now because it's like they'll normally die in hospitals and stuff like that where it's, it's just not in your face, I guess. It's very different than it was. It's disconnected from our daily lives. Yeah, which again, I, I'm I'm thankful for that, and but you know, it, it got me thinking. Like, we probably don't think about death as much as they did, you know, a hundred years ago and stuff like that. And I wonder if that motivated them or demotivated them more. And I don't have a way to answer that question, but it was just a question that was brought up to me. You know, by with them thinking about death, was it like a motivation to move forward more in life? Or was it something that was just like kind of a discouragement and just bringing them down? I I think it's I think it's both. I think for some people, they would see that and be like, okay, and they'd use it as like their drive and be like, all right, well, you know, we're gonna die and there's people who die all the time, so I'm gonna use what life I have now. I'm gonna use that um, and do something. And then you have on the flip side, you have the other people who are like kind of would I would I could see them being a little bit um, more discouraged about it and so I think it can work both ways where it's all about you know what mindset you have yeah I uh, that's that was kind of the only thing that I could come up with too is you know it, it was probably both <laughs> <laughs> so this whole topic that we had something strange happened the very next actually no it's the same day so on Thursday Wait, so that wasn't the strange part. Well, that was strange. Okay. <laughs> but honestly, I I would probably say what I'm about to tell you was even stranger. Yeah, I, I think it was even stranger to me than this whole mortician office thing. So after work, I'm driving home. I, I just got off the phone with my sister, and I look over to my left it's a this road that I'm driving home from. It's it's a very busy road. To my left, there is a little girl, couldn't be more than four. Thankfully, very much alive, but standing right next to the road. Like when I mean right next, you know the white line, yeah, for the road before you go off onto the shoulder. Yeah. She's standing on the white line. I mean, this is a major highway, so I immediately pull over, and there's a a car, there's a van in front of me that's pulling a trailer and they pull over too. And the dude in the passenger seat just jumps out and sprints like completely fearlessly. I'm so glad he was there and was able to react this fast. Uh, just sprints over to this little girl and he's kind of able to stop the traffic in one direction. And we kind of wave down the traffic in the other direction and, and get them to stop. But as he goes to pick up the little girl, she, starts running into the road more. Again, thankfully, the traffic at this point is stopped, and they kind of see what's going on. There's a white dog behind this girl 
and he's kind of like barking excitedly. It's a, it's a white German Shepherd, and it it kind of looks like he's trying to get the girl to come back. Like he's you know trying to get somebody's attention or something and, and get the girl to go back. And, and we realized later that's exactly what the dog was doing because when, when the guy picks up the girl, he starts you know walking back where we assume is where she came from. I mean, you would think that she couldn't go too far away. But the, the dog leads the guy all the way back to the, the girl's house, and he's able to give, him, give her back to the parents. But it, it was a good, I don't know, probably 200 yards from the road that the the little girl wandered i was it was crazy and and then when the guy came back you know i was his his buddy went up the road a little ways uh to to turn around but i was asking him if he needed a ride up there and we could just meet him up there but he he was saying that his mom lives a couple blocks away and that day she had his daughter who was about 4 years old and his mom also has a white German Shepherd. And so that is that is the reason that he sprinted so fearlessly into the middle of the road was because he thought that was his own daughter. Oh, wow. I mean, I would like to think that he'd sprint just as fast for someone else. But, wow, to think that that was your daughter be like, oh, my goodness, that what is she doing right there? Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. What was she doing out there? She just got out of the gate and just walked up the road. Like, I guess the parents just turned away for a second and the, the I, I mean, I would like to give the parents the benefit of the doubt that it wasn't, you know, neglect or anything and that the kid just took the, you know, the opportunity to, to run away. But I, I don't know. I, d- I didn't meet them. I didn't talk to them. I didn't, you know, get any of that conversation, but it freaked me out so much. I, yeah, absolutely terrified. That's crazy. So then this is all on Thursday. Right. And then so there's more. Yeah, there's more. So me and my family, we're headed up to Georgia to to where you're going. A mutual friend of ours. They're having a gathering and I had to work, but I was able to get off early. So I was like, okay, cool. I was was driving home. I get again to a major intersection and I can see this lady is passed out on her steering wheel at a stoplight. Thankfully, the, her car was already stopped and she had her foot on the brake uh, and there were already several people running towards ter- towards her car. Uh, so I, where my truck was, so they were southbound traffic and I was going north in the, the far left lane and they were in the turn lane to go east. So where, where my truck is, is right next to the car is the point I was trying to make. Oh, okay. That's a lot simpler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I made that way too complicated. <laughs> um, it's something I like to do sometimes. So the, one of the ladies who's running up to the car, she kind of, you know, tells me to stop and I, I see what's going on. So I immediately put my flashers on and, and just block the traffic behind me. Uh, there, there were already a lot of people helping her. So I, and two, just not really knowing what to do. I knew I'd be in the way. I could tell there was already a, what looked to be a, an off-duty nurse, you know, already running up to the car. So she was very, already very well taken care of. Somebody was putting a blanket down on the lane that I was stopped up in. So that way they could get her to lay flat. Um, and, you know, they had really good foresight and everything because they immediately went into the car, put it in park turned it off. I was very impressed watching these, you know, just citizens to come together to, to help a yeah. fellow human. Um, it was, it was very moving. Honestly, I was just, I was just sitting there very thankful for people willing to react this way, not just go on with their, their busy lives and, and just say, not my problem. Yeah. You know, I, I even saw a guy run over with a, a cardboard box because where they laid her down, there's there's no shade or anything, and so he he ran over with a cardboard box and held it up and shaded her, and um, you know, I I just sat there and blocked the traffic because they're right in the in the lane, and so you know, just put my flashers on and and just waited till the ambulance got there, but yeah, so I was like, in in two days, all these events happened, and I was just like, whoa. It just got me thinking a lot about death and and how unpredictable our our lives are. 
I, I got to say, the biggest one that freaked me out was that, that little girl. It just scared me to death. Yeah, I mean, her just standing next to the road, that's, that's crazy. It's funny you should mention these two stories because I just had a story that happened. I don't know if you heard about it, but... So I was talking to my sister today, and, and she mentioned it. But when I told her that I hadn't heard it yet, she was like, oh, Jeremiah's gonna, probably going to want to tell you. So she, she didn't tell me anything. Okay, so um, on our way back from Georgia, we had just uh, stopped at a friend's house in Mississippi because I rode back with them. And anyway, so we're on our way home from Mississippi. And it's pouring down rain. Like, you, you can barely see. And I forget how fast we're going. We're going around the speed limit. And this guy in a white pickup truck just flies around a curve on a no-passing zone and just passes us up. And I'm like... Okay, that was a really stupid thing to do. Well, like five seconds later, we're on an open stretch, and all of a sudden we see his car just goes off the road, goes down into the ditch, hits a tree, and spins back onto the road. I mean, he hit the tree at like 50 miles an hour. Oh, my goodness. And so, like, this is my second crash to see live happen. And Like, so wait, you've seen two crashes right in front of you? Yeah. Before. Wow. So... Was it? I'm guessing this one was worse than the first, or was um actually this one was not as bad as the first one I saw. Oh my goodness! But this one, it, he hit the tree dead center, or just close to dead center, and you can see the oh. huge impact. His airbags blew, and he was wearing a seatbelt, but so he he flew onto the road. He was blocking both lanes, so of course we stop and. Um, dad gets out and runs up to the car, you know, expecting to see something bad. Sure. I was expecting it too. Cause I mean, just how violent it was. I mean, he had stuff in the truck and just went all over the place. So he it ended up, he didn't have a license. So he didn't want us to call 911. And oh my goodness. he said something about how he was on his phone or something and then like fell off the road. So, basically... He was on his phone and in the rain. Yes. So... Oh, my goodness. And speeding and doesn't have a license. So, yes, very... One of those is bad enough, but all four is obviously a case for disaster. So, of course, we did call 911. And... Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, I mean, he was really upset. And I don't know... I don't know if he was intoxicated or not, but it kind of seemed like it. I guess it could have been like shock from impact or whatever, but he apparently didn't have any yeah. injuries. He, like he was getting up and he was trying to pick up his stuff and all that, but I'm sure he Well, that doesn't mean that he yeah. didn't have any injuries because I've I've heard stories of people they'll go home and thinking they they're all fine and you know they don't go to the hospital. And like the next day they die two days later or the next day. I've never heard of death, but I have heard of, you know, severe back pain and they found it, find that their like back is fractured and stuff like yeah, that. So I could see that because, I mean, like I said, could, he hit the tree at had to be 50 miles an hour. Did his airbag deploy? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would, I would think so. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But I mean, there was another Ooh. car coming in the northbound lane just a couple seconds after he had flown out on the road. So, like, if he would have flown off the road any later, and if we were tailing him any more, like, if we were tailing him and it was a few seconds later, it could have been all three cars in a wreck, and, like, it had potential to be pretty bad. Jeez. So, wait, what was the, the first car accident you saw? So, the first car accident I saw was I was waiting at a red light to turn left. It was at a pretty busy intersection. And another guy with the trailer was turning left, and he it was a green light, but yield, obviously. Well, he didn't see a guy coming. And so he turns and gets hit probably between 30 and 40 miles an hour on the passenger side. Oh, my it, goodness. It smashes his truck into three cars waiting at the light on the other side. So it made it into a five-car wreck, at least. Wow. But his car... Did everyone survive? Uh, we didn't stick around. <laughs> so, 
I, I was driving, but I was new to driving, and um, there was a lot of people around, and so mom just told me, she was like, all right, just keep going. I was like, okay. <laughs> and, like, we had to drive over a whole bunch of PVC fittings because it was a plumbing truck, and so there was PVC fittings all over, so it's just like crunch, 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 crunch. No. Oh, my goodness. But, like, all his windows were busted, and it looked pretty bad. T-bones are the worst, so. Yeah, Wow. Well, uh, you know, future reference, you probably should have stayed. But uh, other other than that, that is crazy. That Okay, so that does remind me. I actually forgot about this one until we just started talking about car accidents. It would have been Tuesday. So Tuesday, this all <laughs> happened in the same week. This is crazy. I was driving down. It's not that busy of a road it's it's busy it's it's right next to the world equestrian center that was just built or is still in the process of being built i guess and so they still have construction vehicles coming in and out of there i didn't see the accident happen i was probably i would guess not more than a a minute late it had to have been about that because the ambulances weren't there yet and i believe the average response time in that area for the ambulances is around like four minutes and it wasn't but a couple minutes after I was there that the ambulances showed up. But from what I can gather that happened, because I'm not completely sure, it looked like this construction truck, you know those big trucks that carry the sand? Yeah, like the big dump trucks? Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a big dump truck. And from what I can gather, he was trying to turn around off the shoulder. It was a really big shoulder. And so it seemed like he was turning around and didn't see a truck coming the other way and t- went to turn around and pulled right into the road. And the truck must have been going the speed limit I would, or somewhere in there, which is on that road was 50 miles an hour. So he probably could have been going 50, 55, something like that. And, and But he, he hit that construction truck head on completely. Um, by the time I pulled up to it, so there there were already first responders there, you know, as in as in citizens, first responders um, <laughs> up there. But the oh, it was it was a complete disaster. The driver side of the truck, it was a an F one fifty, was completely caved in, and oh no. So I I don't I don't know if the guy made it or not. Uh, to to tell you how bad it was, um, the springs for the construction truck for the tires the suspension were like 50 feet away from the vehicle they could the tire was completely crushed in the whole side of the construction truck was just caved in the construction guy seemed to be fine because uh, he was on the phone and i'm presuming calling 911 but Oh, it was it was really bad, and um, you know by the time they started directing traffic and directing us around, they hadn't cleaned up the whole site, and so you know we're, we're driving over all these car parts and stuff, and it was it was a mess. It was so so bad, probably the worst accident I've ever seen. That is that sounds pretty bad, but you would be surprised what people survive. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Sometimes you'll see a car and you're like, there's no way anyone in that car survived. It's like, actually, yeah, everyone survived in that car. You're like, how? It does happen. The good news is it it did seem like a very new truck. So hopefully the safety stuff was, you know, very highly rated and and tested and kept them alive. Or her, I I don't really know. They are designed to crunch in a lot more than they used to, so... That is yeah. a possibility. And so maybe that's just why it looked so bad was because it absorbed so much of the impact. But it was it was not a pleasant sight to pull up on. <laughs> I don't know how many more stories we're going to do, but I just thought of one that we saw last week. Um, the week before we went to Georgia, we were driving home, me and dad on our way home from work. And it's a whole bunch of traffic for this one stretch, like a mile from our house. And so finally when we get there, there's already a cop there, but there's this SUV that went off the road, smashed into a driveway, and rolled another 100 feet on uh, kind of halfway in the ditch, upside down, halfway on the road, upside down. So, so for people who don't know, the roads in Louisiana, at least where you're at, they do not have a shoulder. No. There's 
occasionally a little shoulder, but it's not even enough normally to get an entire car in. No, usually it's about enough for a tire. <laughs> yeah, and it, and it just immediately drops off into a ditch. And I've seen some of the ditches like six to eight feet deep, like just immediately drop off I- into that. So it, it makes crashes when they roll a lot worse. <laughs> yeah. I actually videoed it as I was driving by and looking at it later is when I found out. At first I was like, how did he get in that position? And then after watching the video, I saw where he went off the ditch in the first place, hit the driveway and did a huge flip. And so not sure if the guy made it or not, but no one was around the vehicle. Oh man. So I would assume that he wasn't still in there. So I'm assuming he made it. Right. Wait, so so you you got the video or or you found a video? No, I videoed it as I was going by, like just the wreck. I didn't actually see it happen. Oh, after afterwards. Okay. Yeah, that's that's what I thought you said, but uh, then the way you worded it, I thought you were there, so I was just a little confused. The craziest non-wreck that happened to me was uh, or non-live wreck uh, was I was driving home and it, it was raining and it was a 55 mile an hour zone and I see this car in the ditch with the wheel still spinning. Oh my goodness. So, and like the lady had just opened the door and she was, she was fine, but it was just enough to where she must've hydroplaned off and the, sure. but the back tire was still lifted up spinning. So I just missed it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. That's, that's a lot more wrecks than I've seen. I mean, I, I've seen wrecks obviously, but it's, Always when, you know, first responders are there and they're cleaning up and all that stuff. So, And all of these have been since I've started driving because before then I've never <laughs> seen a live wreck. Yeah, I, I've i been driving for quite a while and I I drive a lot, like from job to job. I, I would guess close to 100 plus miles a day between driving to work and driving the work vehicle. So, and yeah, I've never, I've never seen a live wreck and I, I hope to keep that, that streak going. Yeah. Okay. One thing that's definitely changed is, so on the way back from Georgia, uh, the family I was riding back with, uh, whenever I drove, they're like, okay, you have to, uh, they're like, our parents want you to drive the speed limit. So I was like, okay. Um, so I didn't speed like not even five over, just drove the speed limit. And, you know, we might've showed up like five to 10 minutes later than we would have if I had sped, but you know what? It was actually, it's, it's really not that hard to just go the speed limit. I, I agree. It's been something that I've kind of been convicted of lately, too, of just not speeding and just kind of being a better manager of my time to where I don't feel like I need to speed. But, you know, even like you said, like, it's not going to really change how fast you get there by that much. Yeah. Unless not you're, by a substantial amount, at least. Unless you're speeding crazy amount fast. Yes, which don't do that <laughs> ever, <laughs> please. Yeah. The good news is in this van that we're driving today, the back seat is very safe because we cannot go that fast even if we wanted to. <laughs> no. Oh, man. Okay, so if you don't have anything else to add right now, the topic is going to move forward to a place that you never thought it would. Okay, let, let's go. Okay, so on the way to Georgia, a conversation was struck up, and I was talking about the mortician and stuff to my family, and my dad heard of a thing called a body farm or body farms. I, I don't know if you've ever heard of that. No, I've never heard of that. Okay, so yeah, you're not going to want to look that up, or if you do, just definitely don't go to the images and, and stuff like that. So... Yeah, it's it's gonna. It's, I did some research on it. I was I was curious after that, and I did some research, and I've come to the conclusion that it's a very important thing that we have this, and I'm glad that we have it, but it's it's different. So, it's different. You know, uh, enough enough walking around it. I'll, let's just get into <laughs> okay. it. Okay. So since since 1980. There have been 250,000 unsolved homicides. It's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot, a lot. And, and so this research that I have right here is, is done from two years ago. Okay. So it's, it's most likely even higher now. So 2019? Um, unless, yeah, so it was in, in 2019. Uh, yeah, that's good to, to specify. So 
on average, just in Florida, there are 450 new cases each year, new unsolved cases each year. That's a lot. Yeah. There's a facility. It's called the USF Facility for Outdoor Research and Training, and it's in Pasco County, Florida. Again, as of two years ago, there are seven farms, I believe. Yeah, seven facilities in the U.S. So a body farm is a research and training facility where human decomposition can be studied in a variety of settings. So these bodies that they get to do this are donated by individuals, you know, prior to death or by family members post-mortem. So, Uh, okay, so this is where they watch dead bodies rot. Yep. You got it. (laughs) Okay. So these are bodies that they know everything about already. It's not like an unsolved homicide or anything. These are people's bodies who, before they die... They donate their bodies to this research or, again, their, their family members will donate their bodies for them after they're gone. Be like, yeah, I never liked Uncle Frank, so we'll just give him over there. <laughs> Cheaper than burial. We'll just give Frank to <laughs> We'll just give yeah. So these, these unsolved homicides, you know, most of these bodies are found in, in public places, so they can't be linked to anything. They can't be linked to where they are. You know, like for, for us, it, I'm sure it's probably like, Ocala National Forest and things like that where it's public land that they can take them out and then it's not connected. So these facilities, they will find, you know, missing bodies basically, or, or normally it's, it's skeletal fragments of, of people. And so they'll take these skeletal fragments, unidentified skeletal fragments and try and find out who they were, um, to bring, you know, either peace of mind to the family or, you know, just just for records of of solving these cases that they you know they need to find out this information. It's it's obviously very important that that does happen. So they'll they'll just take these these donated bodies and they'll just place them in you know on the grass. Uh, some of them and and they'll put sometimes they'll put cages over them so like vultures and animals can't get to them, just to watch how they would just naturally decompose. Man, this is this is this is the dark this is the dark part I was talking about. It, it's yeah, it's dark. There's no way no way to get around it. Man, though, to like to like research there, like oh yeah, I work at I work at the body farm over there. Uh, oh, so what do you do there? Um, I watch dead bodies rot all day. Like <laughs> yeah, it's creepy. It, it's creepy to me. I, this is a, a place that I would not want to take a tour of. Uh, I, uh, the smell, the, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. Um, so sometimes they'll put these cages around them just to watch kind of like how they would just naturally decompose without, you know, much outside interference. So they're just basically a fence around them. So, you know, air is still passing through just fine. Okay. You said sometimes. Yes. So other times (laughs) they will just leave the body there to watch how the animals would interact with it naturally and see how it would decompose that way. And they found a lot of information out this way because they'll find like the vultures. So in, in Florida and in Texas, they have found that the vultures will mess with the human bodies. I believe more so in Florida than in Texas. Uh, but that doesn't really matter. But in other parts of the country, the vultures don't really mess with the human bodies. So I don't know why in Florida we just have more disgusting vultures than <laughs> other places in, in the country. But anyways, what they have found is that these vultures will move the human body, like rotate it and kind of move it around, which makes it even more difficult than for the forensics teams to figure out exactly where the body was and, you know, what position. And so the vultures are basically tampering with evidence. <laughs> so it makes it even harder for them to, to find out who this person was and, and link them to something because of this research, they've been able to, they can kind of pinpoint exactly how long a body has been left out based on how many maggots are crawling around it. And, you know how the skin is dehydrated and things like this it's it's very 
disgusting research, but again, I think you'll find by the end of this very necessary research, especially because these bodies were, were donated for this purpose. So it's, yeah, this is definitely a job. I, could not do it's not just that i wouldn't do it which i wouldn't but i don't think i could physically do it without just throwing up the whole day (laughs) yeah i really don't know how these people do it and yeah i saw some interviews and, and they're just they're very natural about it and just again i don't know if it has to do with what we talked about earlier and they they are kind of disconnected from this and just understand that it's just the shell of a person and it's not actually a person and I don't know, but they're they're okay with it. They're just, you know, it's death. It is what it is. And I guess that would make sense if they have disconnected and they're just like, yeah, well, this is just this is just the body, and so I, that's yeah. a little bit. I could see that. And two, it's not like they knew these people, right? So they they don't have any connection at all with with who these people are. Uh, other research that they have found is that when a body decomposes like on grass or vegetation, it completely kills the vegetation. I mean, with the exception of like trees and stuff like that, you know, big, big stuff, but you know, grass, it will, it will completely kill the vegetation to where it it almost looks like it was burnt, which I guess it kind of was because if I understand the decomposing process, it does heat up a lot to where it's basically burning the grass and scorching it. But then what happens is after a period of time, that vegetation grows up even bigger than all the vegetation around it. Yeah, from the nutrients. Yep. So based on that, they can kind of pinpoint where people have been sometimes solely based on how there will be you know, a field and everything's growing evenly. And then there's just this one patch that's much more grown up than, than everything else around it. And it's just a, a small little section. And... You know, it just kind of goes, okay, well, that's a little weird. <laughs> so, like, they're the people who are, like, when they're driving in the interstate, they they see stuff and they're like, you know, that, that looks like there could have been a body there. I don't know about that, but, you know, if if they're looking for somebody, I'm sure they could notice it a little more than, but, than if you're just driving down the interstate. You probably wouldn't notice it then. Yeah. One of the facilities, like I said, it's, it's in Florida here. Um, and they have a, a section of the facility that's wooded and kind of dips down a little bit. And so it, it'll flood. And so they can kind of tell how the bodies behave, you know, during a dry season versus a flooded season and all these things so that they can help investigators do their job. Um, again, it's kind of creepy, kind of morbid. <laughs> yeah. But necessary. Like, it, it has already helped a lot of people be found and and a lot of cases get closed by doing this research that's crazy so they have this body farm and then they also have a forensic anthropology lab and this is where they do some pretty cool stuff i thought so they'll work on these skeletal remains and most of what they do is called chemical isotope testing so there's different isotopes from what I understand, but the only one that I really looked into at all is that they'll test oxygen isotopes. So water is mostly made up of oxygen, right? Yeah. So H- H2O, so you know, two oxygen molecules, one hydrogen, so mo- mostly oxygen. You breathe oxygen. Uh, the, the food you eat, most of it is water-based or has water in it or some form of oxygen in a different way so you know a lot of what we are is oxygen we rely on oxygen very very heavily so because of that it becomes embedded into your chemical signature they look at oxygen isotopes in the teeth so they'll like shave down the teeth from what i understand and kind of turn it into a powder and then be able to test that and kind of tell where a person lived or was born or I I guess more lived where they grew up based on the oxygen isotopes that are in in their body that's actually kind of cool that they can find that much information just from oxygen yeah so 
there's much more precipitation in the southern states, for example. We have a, a lot more precipitation here. And then as you get to, like, you know, Colorado and, and Montana and places like that, it, it gets drier, so there's not as much pre- precipitation. So there are different types of isotopes, like, based on that. Like, you know, as you get higher in elevation and things like that, the, the isotopes will change, and they can kind of pinpoint in a region, at least, of where you were, you know, probably within, from what from what I understand, like four four-ish states around four-ish states, they can kind of say that you're they were in this area. That's where they were born. So they can kind of start linking the skeletal fragments to hopefully a person, and and then find out you know relatives or something like that. The coolest thing, well, maybe not the coolest thing, but <laughs> something that was even even cooler was they can take a skull and kind of based on like the fractures of it and and the way the face is and then things like that they can make a 3d model and then they can make what they would most likely look like you know as a person and they have at first i was i was very skeptical of this i'm like there's no way any form of this is is accurate at all but Turns out they have had great success with it, and they've been able to identify people based on this process, and they'll get the information out there. They'll, they'll do events to get the information out there to show these pictures of, of these missing people so that they can hopefully close these cases and, and you know, say, we have found the skeletal fragments, you know, and, and now we have a positive identification, and so they can close these cases out and finish this story. Basically, you're saying that they recreate what the person would look like from skeletal fragments. From, from well, okay, sorry, not skeletal fragments, from the skull. Yeah, that's what I mean. Everything I, I looked at, they, they, need, they need the whole skull, um, or, or at least... A good portion I'm of guessing it. 95% of it. Yeah, 90, 95% of it. So. That's pretty crazy stuff right there. <laughs> yeah, so that took a turn that you weren't expecting, huh? No, I... I was not expecting to be talking about body farms. And actually, whenever you said body farms, I was like, what in the world is that? (laughs) Yep. Well, now you know. I I was thinking of something darker, but... Oh, wow. Well, that's uh, kind of surprising. Yeah. Who's the dark one now? (laughs) Well, farms, whenever I think of farms, I think of living stuff. So I don't usually think of a place where you watch dead things, but... I don't want to know what you're actually thinking it was, so we'll just leave that in your own head so we can spare the back seat of whatever that was. But, yeah, I, I could see how uh, you could probably come up with some crazy things in your mind with uh, with just the words body farm. So that's that's fair. Yeah. Anyways, I know you got to get going, but I really appreciate you uh, just jumping on the mic with me and, and having this conversation. It was dark, but I'm 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 really glad we had it. It kind of helped get it out for me and, yeah. and talk about it more. And yeah, and I mean, death is real. It's a real thing that's going to happen to everyone, like you said earlier. All right, well, it's it's been fun. Well, kind of. <laughs> it's been real. It's been fun. It, it hasn't been real fun. It's been it's been interesting. Fun's a little bit like I mean, we talked about death the whole time, so. Yeah, it's been educational and eye-opening. Yeah, that's more like it. All right, man. All right, man. Talk to you later. Talk to you later.